Hey, hey, welcome back to Some Bases Covered. Let me introduce you to one of our new hosts. Ella is a therapist trained in integrative psychotherapy and hypnotherapy. She works with neurodivergent people and is neurodivergent herself. She lives in the capital of the Netherlands and likes to do yoga. Let's hear it from Ella Covers. This episode contains adult language and discussion that may be disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, Jeff. How you doing? I had the uh, the background uh, blurred out. My oh, that's in. awesome. Uh, that's <laughs> awesome. Where are you based? I'm in Philadelphia. Well, I'm in a, a city called Ben Salem, which is right outside of Philadelphia. Uh-huh. All right. So first, I want to welcome you. Like, thank you for making this time. We're really excited to have you here today. This is like, you know, you're one of our most wanted interview guests for 2023 because I heard that you have a pretty exciting life story and like endeavors you're engaging in. So I'm really curious to hear more about that. Okay. Yeah, that's just, it's so weird to me. I I, I get that, um, what's it called? The uh, imposter syndrome a lot. Ah, yes. It's hard for me to realize that people want to hear my side of the story and care what I do, you know, mm-hmm. behind the camera and all that. But, you know, I'm getting used to it. It is a little a little weird, though. Yeah, just let me know what you want to talk about. Anything. I'm, I'm an open book. I don't I don't really hide anything. I don't I'll talk about whatever, you know, doesn't bother mm-hmm. me. So, yeah, I, I, I've seen and heard that you're making all these videos and you're engaging with people on the streets and you have a, a background in history yourself. Right. So can you tell yeah. me, like, what is it that, like, made you end up in this specific like this journey you're on right now how did you end up in it and what's your specific interest to engage with other people well i i i shot heroin you know i did heavy drugs for almost 20 years um Mm -hmm. i got sober in april of 2016 and when i got sober i told you i moved out of the city out of philly and i just pretended like kensington and the drug scene and all that didn't exist And I just ignored it for about five years, honestly. And I just, you know, I got my uh, credit fixed. I got out of debt. You know, I was just doing the things you have to do in uh, early sobriety to, you know, kind of change your life, you know, for the better. And um, so it took about six years to do all that stuff. And I used to watch YouTube all the time when I was in, when I was homeless. I I was staying in a, um, a bando and... I always had a, my dad would bring me a cell phone and those battery chargers, the packs to charge the phone up so I could, and I, I just watched YouTube and I always said to myself, if I get sober and, and get good, I wanted to start a channel. Mm-hmm. And so that was always on my mind and it never intended to be a Kensington channel or the drug channel. I never intended it to be like that. I just wanted one of them silly YouTube channels where you, uh, you know, um, visit abandoned houses and you know, creepy stuff like that. And just to stay busy. I got laid off from my job. I was working on a ship, operating cranes, unloading stuff from big ships. And when I got laid off, I was just bored. And I just, I, and I just started driving again. I, uh, during my addiction, I had like maybe eight DUIs, seven or eight of them. So I lost my license for 
because we're 13 years. Mm. And uh, I'd finally gotten it back and I got laid off from my job and I was just like, you know what? I just want to drive down to Kensington and see what it's like. Um, and it, it just blew my mind when I got down there. There's a girl, Amber, that I interview a lot. She's become like a really good friend of mine. And when I got down there, I'd say maybe five minutes into the into the trip down there, I saw her passed out on the side of the road. Um, she only had these pair of shorts on and the shirt was ripped off her and she was drooling all over herself. And I was like, man, what the hell is going on here? Wow. Yeah, like you you were right in it suddenly. You, you, you yeah. weren't planning or supposed to do that and suddenly you were right in it. And it yeah. kind of came to you, huh? Well, so when I was down there, um, getting high myself, it was a lot different down there. Um, then the war on drugs was raging, so you could not get high in public. Um, if the cops saw a white person in North Philly, they knew we were down there for drugs. So, mm. you know, they'd pull us over and search us and I'd go to jail all the time. It was a very different scene back then. And so yeah, it was really shocking when I, you know, I did ignore Kensington and all that, but you still see stuff on social media. Yeah, so I had a little bit of an idea, but I didn't realize like how bad it, it got down there. I left there right before fentanyl came, or I'm sorry, it was as they were transitioning from regular heroin to then the uh, fentanyl is when I left. Mm. I got lucky, I just missed it. Right. I, in fact, I was in rehab and three of my friends died from fentanyl while I was in rehab. Wow. I, was like, I was that close to, you uh -huh. know. To, so you were really I, close, close to that scene, you know, yourself, a tight boundary. Yeah. I would have probably been one of them people with the sores all over their bodies and, oh, and you know, yeah. I probably would have been like that, which is it's scary, but you know, right. I, I, I avoided it. And what, what exactly helped you out of it? Because you were in it, you were living it. Well, I'll, I'd say for the last three years of my addiction, I was, I kept saying to myself, I'm done, I'm mm -hmm. done, I'm done, you know, and it took three years to actually you know, do something about being done with your addiction or my addiction. So, um, I think I wish it would have been sooner, but like I said, it was, um, it was like a three year process. It took me to get off the streets. Um, 2014 into 2015, I spent, uh, almost 200 days in a psych ward, um, mm -hmm. suicidal attempts, uh, I tried to overdose, I think three times on purpose and, and two times my neighbor just, I had a nosy neighbor, the abandoned I was staying at, the lady next door was real nosy. She's awesome. Mm -hmm. And she would come over and bring me food and just make sure I was alive. And and she just happened to come over the two times I tried to, you know, it, it was a struggle. Um, and it was April 19th, I think, 2016. It was really, it was right around that time. There was a real bad snowstorm in Philly and I had nowhere to go. And I just went to the uh, psych ward. I pretended mm -hmm. I was gonna kill myself again. I said I was gonna, because I know when, here in America, if you can't get into a rehab or anything like that, or a detox, what you do is you just, you tell you're gonna hurt yourself and then they have right. to take you to a psych ward. Once you get into there, then you'll get your um, detox medications, the Suboxone, mm -hmm. that one. So the, the um, healthcare industry in America, it's it's a, it's a joke. So that's our way around um, getting denied for rehab a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. 
going to hurt yourself. And then they have to treat you right. there. So I went there on a, it was a 72 hour hold. And uh, so what happened was right around that time, the rehabs and psych wards in America stopped letting you smoke cigarettes. Uh -huh. So a bunch of people left the rehab and um, I used to go to that psych ward all the time and the nurses know me well and all that. So the one nurse was like, listen, we have beds over in, um, over in the rehab. She's like, all you gotta do is tell me you don't wanna hurt yourself. We'll get you in bed and, and get you started over there. I'm like, no, I'm good. And then the, the one nurse pulled me aside, Jen, and she's like, you idiot, just go, you know, stop being an idiot. Uh -huh. So when I talked to my mom and, and she started flipping out cause she found out that all my friends had just overdosed. Um, down in Philly. So I agreed to go. And I, at the time it was kind of just to shut her up, shut everybody up. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I'm, I'm just still here now sober. It'll be eight years in April. So it's, I don't wow, know. So you actually did it. You went through it. You're out yeah. on the other end now. And yeah. yet you're still going back towards that. <laughs> well, Is it so Kensington? Do I pronounce <laughs> that correct? Yeah, Kensington. Well, can you tell me a bit more? Because the viewers probably don't know what Kensington is. What kind of area is that? So Kensington is a neighborhood in North Philadelphia, the north, mm -hmm. north side of Philadelphia. It's It was always a working class, um, I don't want to say a poor neighborhood, but it, you know, it kind of was. It was like a really working class, low income neighborhood. Um, it just got really affected by the um, the crack epidemic in the early 80s. Mm -hmm. And then the heroin kind of flooded in then. And for a while, um, North Philly and into Kensington was considered the largest open air heroin market in the right. world, or in America. I mean, it was, right. you could drive, it was probably a 20 block by 20 block radius mm -hmm. in the city. And you could drive and up to any corner and get any kind of drug you wanted, yeah. any time of the day, whenever you wanted. Right. So, yeah, it's 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 a. It really got affected by the crack epidemic, and it just really never recovered. And now it's it's like the city. Kind of like pushes all their all the misfits to that mm -hmm. little. The misfits, area. yes, yes. Yeah, we and always say it's um. Have you ever seen the uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed, uh, Frosty the Snowman movie, uh, The Island of Misfit Toys? Well, that's what we call Kensington. It's all like misfits. And right, right. And you once fitted there between the misfits and then you got clean. You actually went to rehab. You came out the other end. And yet you still feel this pull towards Kensington and, and going there. Can you tell me well, about, what is it that drives you there? What is your quest? So I, that's a good question. If Fentanyl and this Trank drug did not exist. Mm. I would not even think about doing a Kensington channel showing what's going on. It was just right. regular heroin, regular crack. Go have your fun. What's happening with the fentanyl and the, and the Trank, it, it's just people are just dying. Their, their, mm. their legs are falling off, their arms are falling off. It's, it's horrible. And I don't know what made me decide to start the channel. Like I said, I, I saw Amber and I interviewed her once and it just, I don't know. I felt like I, I needed to show what was going on. I, I don't know. I, I There's a couple other channels that do the Kensington stuff mm -hmm. down there. And to me, they are just horrible human beings. They 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 just exploit the people down there. They, mm -hmm. they show videos of them nodding out, shooting up in their mm -hmm. neck. And I just didn't like that. I, I just thought with my history of addiction, um, 
maybe I could show it in a more human, you know, show the human side behind the the, the lady with the needle on her neck. Mm -hmm. Correct. You you you're you're aligned with the human side of it all because you were that human. You were a different yes. suit. And you came yes. out to the other end and you feel this kind of kinship with the people in Kensington and you feel something needs to be done to, you know, create more awareness and and put these people, which are actually humans, in a better light and not just seeing them as addicts, but show the real pain, the real stories that go behind it. That's, yeah. that's your quest and your purpose, right? Yeah. Well, and a lot of the, a lot of, most of the people down there, um, have a mental illness and they are self-medicating. Um, right. That's something, I've, that's something I've dealt with my whole life. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I, in America, it is extremely hard to get good mental health help. Mm -hmm. It's it's hard. Um, and it's most it seems most needed there, because huh? a lot of people oh, yeah. struggle with mental illness. And like you say, it's very hard to even get the proper help and the right therapist. So yeah. in this society, we've seen increase. There's a need for you know help, and there's not the right help. So it's a very important point to pay attention to. And like you say, people with addictions, there hides a lot of pain underneath. Because do you know Gabor Mate? This this uh, physicist and and psychiatrist now, and he has a saying. He worked with people with addictions, like the heaviest kinds, and. He always asked him the question. He said, not why the addiction, but why the pain? What is driving you towards this addiction? What's your pain? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's, I think a lot of people, most people down there are self-medicating with their mental health. Um, it, a lot of people with schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorders or you know, mm. bipolar. The medicines they give you, they, they make you feel a lot different. They make you feel like a zombie almost. They you like just shuffling through life, you know. It's I, I was on them before I absolutely hated them. Yeah. And, and when you deal with those type of mental illnesses, a lot of times their your brain is telling you that you don't need to take the medication. Uh -huh, uh -huh. But the, and it makes you feel weird. So then you know, a lot of times if with your schizophrenic, the only thing that calmed down you know, those, the voices in your head is to nod out so hard, you, you just tired in hell and you can't, you know, even think mm -hmm. about it. So that's, that's a, a lot what happens down there. Um, I, I'll be down there all the time. I was down there earlier today and there was a guy sitting next to me. I was handing out hats or something and the guy sitting next to me, he was just having mm -hmm. a full on conversation with himself. And it's, you know, I see that uh, all the time down there. So, so next to self-medicating, there seems to be a lot of loneliness in that. Oh yeah. Group, you know, with addictions, a lot of people experience loneliness and they take the drugs to suit the pain, but they are actually longing for connection. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I agree. And, and you see it down there. Well, I do. Um, a lot of times when I get, when I meet someone and I get them in my car to talk, um, yeah. and they'll, they'll say that same thing. They're like, man, this is the first uh, human type or meeting right. I've had in months. And a lot of times they just thank me for listening to them, which is, you know, yeah. it's... Yeah, that's a vital thing that, that people lack in this world. It's a simple thing, but it's not a given anymore. Like, right. Be right. seen and heard. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I've been doing it just about over a year now. The people down there know me down there and they know mm. my car and they know it's a judgment free zone when they get in my car and they like mm. that. 
Now I get people, which I appreciate now is I get people down there that want to tell their story and they'll, um, they'll, they'll search me out and, and find me and ask if they can tell their story on my channel. Mm -hmm. Once they know it's a more positive channel, I'm not going to ask them. If you go to some of those other channels, they ask the like, oh, how many, excuse my language, but they'll in the middle of an interview, like, oh, how many dicks do you suck a day? Like yeah. asking women that, that, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't see the need for those mm. type of questions. And they, they obviously do it for views, you know, which I yeah. get it's YouTube, uh -huh. but it's just something I want to do. No. Know? So you want to profile yourself differently. You drive there with your car. What is it that you actually come there to do? What do you want to give these people? What is your quest? Uh, that's a good question too. Um, I don't know, honestly. Uh, a lot of it's just a, a, a ear to talk to, um, mm -hmm. someone to listen to them. A lot of people want to tell their stories because of how popular the cameras are. In, in right. Everywhere. Right. right. A lot of people will come up to me and they're like, you know, my mom just saw me with a needle on my neck, mm. sleeping on the sidewalk, flipping out. Can we do an interview so she can hear me, see me normal? Uh, a lot of people don't like to talk to their family members. They they don't want to, they don't, a lot of times whenever they call their family members, the first thing they start asking is, are you going to go to rehab? Get off the streets. It's not like yeah. a lot of them just want to talk to someone and not right, have that. Right. Shove down their throat, you know. Uh -huh. so that's why a lot of them will uh, reach out to me, and then I'll do the interview, and then their family members can uh -huh. see that. Uh, that's been a big part of my channel lately is connecting people um, back in, with their families. I, I interviewed. There's a lady Vincenza I just interviewed about a month ago, and I got her in touch with her family after three years. They couldn't find her. Mm -hmm. Her and her boyfriend both, and they're both now, you know, back in touch with their family. The family knows they're safe and everything. So, you know, stuff like that makes me feel awesome when I can do it. That sounds like a, a really wonderful purpose, like you're actually helping people out there, you know, and you struggled with the same things. You were in that same boat, and now you're able to do something back for these people, you know, to give them something, you know, like you perhaps yeah. would have wanted to have yourself while you were in their shoes. And that yeah. there's real need for that, like... Yeah. No another thing I do, yeah, another thing I do a lot is a lot of these people are in and out of the hospitals. Um, right. Their health is not good, and when they go to the hospital, they, they got no one to visit them. They usually mm -hmm. don't have a cell phone, so they're really bored in there. And I, I, whenever people are in the hospital, I at least go to try and go and visit them, and I bring them like a milkshake and just sit and talk to them, you know, and yeah. talk to their parents behind the scenes and see how what we can do and. You know, I have contacts to get people into detox rehabs. They just have to say the word yes, and you know, we'll get them a bed. Mm -hmm. But some of them don't want to get off the street, though. So that's where it gets frustrating. Uh huh. So it sounds like you really got the heart and soul for people, for humanity, and you just want to share that with them without any conditions or you know anything's involved. I bring a, like when I bring stuff to the people at the uh, at the hospitals. Um, they just. They really appreciate that. Uh, it's amazing, like um, what little emotional contact these people get. Mm. Um, so when they do get it, it's like they're, oh my god, thank you so much, and it's they're like thanking me and telling me I'm the best person in the world. And all I really did is just, you know, bring them a milkshake and talk to them. Mm. 
And that that is for these people that's like so valuable, you know, that's what they appreciate because they, they get these, they can appreciate the little things in life and we forget that, we take it for granted, but these people, you know, just a kind smile, you know, seeing them, talking with them, giving them a milkshake, that's precious, it's valuable. Yeah, absolutely. They get dehumanized a lot down there. Um, mm. You know, a lot of the time, most of the time when they have to go to the bathroom, they just gotta, you know, pop a squat and right in the middle of the street or whatever. There's a lot of times when there's a couple places down there that have porta potties, but they're only open certain hours of the day. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times someone just might wanna sit down and go to the bathroom and then wash their hands afterwards like a like a normal human being. Right. It's not available to them, you know? Some people just want to be able to brush their teeth and clean mm -hmm. water, you know? And now, don't get me wrong, these, these people down there, they're choosing to be down there, but I still think they deserve to be treated like humans, even though- Right, they, right, uh, because they still know? are. Yeah, and that's, that's the hard part, is it's mm -hmm. getting the regular America to um, understand what they're going through. Or, mm -hmm. See, a lot of people, want to just keep getting high they're not gonna leave down there right and a lot of people just think me going down there i'm gonna be superman and rescue all these people mm. off the streets and get them in the programs and that's just not how it works mm. you know i've gotten three people into programs so far in over a year only three people but still that's three people but still, yeah that's awesome to me you uh, know like that's that's a quite an accomplishment because addicts they're stuck in their in their ways and like even yeah. if you get one people out of there that's a massive oh, absolutely absolutely i just say only three because of how many people i've i've interviewed you know it's, right. it's like i said even if it was only one I, i'm still okay with it i still think i'm doing my job um mm -hmm. it's just uh it, it, you know when i when i interview or interact with these people over and over again of course i'm gonna form attachments and emotional bonds with people uh -huh. Uh -huh. and it, it gets hard going back to them and just seeing them like slowly killing themselves and getting worse every time i see them yes that's what that must that be girl amber the lady amber i've interviewed her maybe 25 times and uh -huh. um i'm just waiting for her to you know to get the call that she's dead now any day she's uh -huh. not Oh. Yeah, that's the downside, huh? because, you know, you get very involved with these people, you have beautiful moments, but there can also be very bad news. So it's, you know, turbulence. Yeah, um, it, it is hard. I've gotten about, I think, two or three um, of the family members of the people I interviewed. Uh, they'll get a hold of me when one of them pass away. Mm. You know, I'll put like an RIP post on the um, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's that's tough, man. Or like a lot, like the uh, one guy, uh, it was Frank. Um, I just talked to him and he was doing good, uh, doing great. And I, I put a tent and some clothes in my car for him mm. and I was driving around crazy. I could always find him and I couldn't find him. And he, he got beat up for some drugs and he wound up dying from it. They, you know, they, mm, yeah. So, you know, it's like, man, and then, uh, yeah, and it wasn't even, it wasn't even, he didn't even end up dying because of the drugs. He, he no, had a head injury uh, beat up, it's just, you know, mm. so yeah, it gets tough, man. It's, that's the part yeah. I don't like. So what what is it actually that you get out of this? What makes it worth worthwhile for you to to engage in? <laughs> I don't know yet. I'm still trying to figure that part out. <laughs> um, well, I'm not making any money doing it yet. I'm, I'm losing money. So no, it's much. your inner drive, right? That, yeah, that I don't know. You. I, I just, you want to be there? Yeah, like, I clearly think, from your heart. It's almost. I, I feel like um, 
not that I have to be there, but like I, I when I'm not down there trying to help someone, I I feel like I I feel bad when I'm not down there now, you know. Yeah, yeah so and, your family, your place there, you know. Yeah. You can relate to these people. You've been in their shoes. It's like Absolutely. a kind of type of home, or like yeah. But I, I also have I have to get better with my time management, though. Uh -huh. It's not healthy for me to be down there six days a week doing stuff. You know, I I understand that 100. Um, uh -huh. So I have to get better on time management, and I can get more confident in if what I'm doing down. You know, like I said, yeah. I'm just a year into doing this. I have no idea what I'm doing yet. Still, it's all like learning as I go and um, since you since you have your own experience and you've been an addict do you think you somehow travel back in time and you're trying to help your previous selves like other people in your shoes to do something different than you did at um, see I, I don't really think it's that now because and the only reason I say that is because the drugs now are so different than when I was down there um, mm -hmm. it's so much more dangerous down there and mm -hmm. I I'm just trying to get them off of this trank, the xylosine, the trank drug. Yeah. That is what's really like kind of driving me. It, this, the trank drug, that xylosine, it, the sores it's putting on people's bodies, um, oh, yeah. that's what really worries me. Um, uh -huh, uh -huh. 80% of the people I talk to have a huge sore on their body, open wound that smells like a, a rotting flesh. And wow. there's only a, there's, yeah, it's, it's, it's shocking. There's only a couple, detox facilities in our state that is equipped to take people with those um, mm -hmm. tours. So now someone could really want to get clean or go to detox and we might not even be able to find them a bed. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so that's it's, a it's real, a, that's a, a new, a new trend going on. This this specific yeah. drug with the open source and, and clinics not taking them in. Yeah. Not that they're not taking them, it's they don't have the enough beds to take them. And that's that's the uh that's the problem now is is um and another thing is they don't they haven't found a good medicine to combat the withdrawal symptoms from mm -hmm. the trend, the xylosine. Right. right. You know, with, with heroin you can get methadone, mm -hmm. suboxone. Mm -hmm. Works great. You know, works amazing. Now if you give them just methadone you know, it might make the fentanyl withdrawal go away, but then you have this really bad trank withdrawal. Uh -huh. That's causing them. That's causing them to like to poop their pants, to throw up, uh -huh. panic attacks. Uh, there's been a couple. There's been like three or four deaths that have been attributed to the trank withdrawal symptoms. You know, problems from right. Withdrawal. So it's complicating this situation greatly. You oh know? my god! Other yeah. drugs, and now this stuff is in the mix, and it complicates things. And yeah. From the inside lens, because you know that world inside out, from the inside lens, what do you think is actually needed there? Like, what? Uh, well, in a, well, so I don't think prohibition works. I never did. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just think they need to legalize, you know, real drugs and then have a safe supply for people. Um, I don't, to me, the war on drugs is the biggest you know, policy failure in American history. They spent something like four trillion dollars on it. Uh, and it's yeah. worse now than ever. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, they don't, we were gonna have uh, one of them here in Philly, but the um, those uh, 
conservative uh, Christians in this country, they 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 lose their shit when something like that uh, mm. is about to happen. So they 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 lost their minds over it and it got canceled. So, but we were supposed to have a safe injection site like that. Yeah, yeah, because it's kind of crazy. Like the world is getting more crazy. People get more pain. So people are going to self-medicate more and then they want to place the rules like drugs are not allowed, but that's people's self-medication. So it's really a cruel world, you know, like people are just trying their best to kill their pain and, and get going as best as they can and then there's like yeah. oh you're you are on drugs you're a criminal you're bad you have to go to jail like that like that that's not that seeing the humanity that people are in pain oh yeah and yeah, that's why there's exactly. even more people addicted there and having issues because of all these extreme rules yeah. and regulations well yeah. and and another important thing you have to put into consideration with America is our for-profit healthcare industry. Um, that adds another layer of, of uh, you know, a lot of people trying to profit now off of the addicts and keeping mm. them sick and keeping them high. Right, right. That's another big thing that I, I, I flip out. I talk shit on America's healthcare system so much. It's it's horrible. That's it guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, then don't forget to click that follow button.